Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hello, this is uh, Michael Adams again. Nothing but the truth comes to and find it. And yes, I found it in the Word of God. And uh, well, Larry Phillips with me again from Weatherby House Church. Um, find his work on YouTube and Sermon Audio. And what we're going to do now is we're going to start a new study. This is beyond Isaiah. And it should be very interesting, to say the least, after reading the first three chapters. Um, it's very relevant to today. And um, before we get going, I'll read some a couple of psalms here. Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. His truth endureth to all generations. And I imagine when we get going with this reading in Isaiah, we are going to recognize this to be the case. Psalm 101. I will sing the mercy and judgment unto thee, O Lord, I will sing. I will behave myself wisely in the perfect way. Oh, when wilt thou come unto me? I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. I will not, excuse me, I will set no wicked thing before my eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. A forward heart shall depart from me. I will not know a wicked person. Whoso privately slandereth his neighbor, him will I cut off. Him that hath a high look and a proud heart will not I suffer. Mine eyes shall be upon the faithful, the faithful of the land, excuse me, that they may dwell with me. He that walketh in a perfect way, he shall serve me. He that worketh deceit shall not dwell within my house. He that telleth lies shall not tarry in my sight. I will early destroy all the wicked of the land that I may cut off all wicked doers from the city of the Lord. And so we go with this journey 
of Isaiah and um, yeah I've, after reading this Larry uh, I had a chance some time today here to to read it uh, the first actually I read the first four um, chapters and uh, it's very interesting to see that the reality of that what was going on back then is the exact same thing that's going on today. Yeah, very much so. In <laughs> fact, you know, um, just to give a little quick little background, uh, Isaiah was a son of Amos, and Amos prophesied in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, who uh, th- those were all kings of Judah. And uh, Isaiah was very, (laughs) he was very distinctive in the way that he prophesied. His big thing was he, he, like you said, he denounced the sins of his time. And he exposed the emptiness of religious formality. (laughs) We see that today. I mean, just all these little and he really comes against this offering of sacrifices and performing religious rites. And he, Isaiah basically says it's you know it's a meaningless formality. And um, and then he also emphasizes we'll see as we get further on into it uh, the fact that Jehovah is the God of Israel and there's not any other God. And that uh, Israel is his chosen people, and they don't have a right to get into idolatrous behavior and worship these other gods. That he is, um, God is Israel's divine, sovereign king of of the elect nation. And so this is, uh, this is kind of a summation of his work as a, prophet and uh, I thought that would be uh, you know and then this first chapter he's going to complain against Judah because of her rebellious nature and he's going to proclaim the judgments of God against Judah and he's going to exhort her to repentance and he gets into uh, threatenings and, and then he you know, he always accentuates grace, too, which is always nice. So that's, and then, of course, the second, I think we'll probably just get through, we might get through two chapters today, I don't know. But uh, in the second chapter, Isaiah is, promised, is prophesying the coming of Christ's kingdom. And that's one of the things that really I love about the book of Isaiah it's, he's one of the strongest messianic prophets in the Bible. And he also talks a lot about the majesty of God. I heard a preacher one time say that we cannot, uh, we cannot ever overemphasize the majestic nature of God. So that's, that's kind of a little quick summary of Isaiah.
That sounds great. So I'll tell you what I'll do. We'll, we'll deal if it's all right with you. I will read. You stop me when you have a comment. How's that? Okay. All right. And uh, chapter one of Isaiah. The vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos. If I pronounce the name wrong, just let me know. Which, oh, he, okay. which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah and Jotham and Ahaz, Ahaz, I guess. Ahaz, and, yeah. Ahaz and Hezekiah, the king of Judah. Hear, O heavens, give ear, O earth, for the Lord hath spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. The ox knoweth his owner, may ask his master's crib, but Israel doth not know. My people doth not, doth not consider. Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger. They are gone way backward. Why should ye be stricken any more? Ye will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick and the whole heart faint. From the sole of the foot, even unto the head, there is no soundness in it, but wounds, bruises, putrefying sores. They have not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. Your country is desolate. Your cities are burnt with fire. Your land, strangers, devour it in your presence. It is desolate as overthrown by strangers. The daughter and the daughter of Zion is left as a cottage in the vineyard as a lodge in the garden of cucumbers, as a besieged city. Except the Lord of hosts had left unto us a very small remnant, we shall, we should have been as Sodom, and we should have been like unto Gomorrah. Hear the word of the Lord, ye rulers of Sodom. Give ear unto the law of our God, ye people of Gomorrah. I'd like to stop there for a couple. Uh, yeah, minutes. it's really devastating reading this because there's a that's where we're in it. We are in it. You know, <clears throat> one of the things that I actually think I feel like crying. <laughs> so, yeah. How many times have I said that now talking to you, uh, yeah. sharing the word of God with you? But I do. I feel like crying. Yeah. It's it's really that bad. It really well, is re- that bad. It's really well, bad. Re- yeah. Let's go back and just. Talk about. <laughs> Here we go. Okay, you can answer. Uh, okay, yeah. I'll answer that. Go now. ahead and talk. Regardless, regardless well, you just just forget about the television. Let's forget about the internet. Let's forget about all the messages out there. Let's just look around us. 
It is true. Our own personal reality, if you negate the, uh, Satan's altar, this, the television, and the internet, and you just look around us, us, our reality. Forget opinions, forget... What's that? I'm back with you one number two. Okay, I was just going to say... <laughs> I just want to say uh, that I, I, I'm asking for anybody who listens to this to honestly look around you in your reality. Forget about Satan's altered television and the radio and the newspapers and the internet. Just look around you. Absolutely. You know, just look one, around. one of the things I'd like to do is I want to go back to what happened uh, in Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, we know that Abraham and Lot separated, and Lot took and chose the pleasant ground of Sodom. And um, Abraham gave him that choice, and he chose Sodom. And he lived there for some time. And he became very comfortable in Sodom, him and his family and his son-in-laws. And we see that God came to Abraham and told Abraham, I'm going to destroy Sodom. And Abraham started (laughs) pleading with God, you know, if I find 50... If I find 40, if I find 30, and he went down to 20, God said he wouldn't destroy it. He couldn't even find 20 people in Sodom. And so God told Abraham, I'm going to destroy it. And he sent an angel the night before he destroyed it, two angels actually, and they went into Sodom, and uh, the angels were in the street, and Lot finally got him into his house, and when he got him into his house, the Sodomites almost broke down his door, demanded that they that that Lot release these men so that they could, you know, have sex with them. And um, anyway, what happened was that what I'm trying to point out here is that the fact that Lot was one of God's elect, you know. And the angels, when they came to Sodom, they didn't say to Lot, look, you know, you have a free will here. You can stay here if you want to and worship God right here, but we're warning you there's going to be a big fire. No, (laughs) that didn't occur at all. In fact, you know, they actually took... Now, the difference between, you know, between... Lot and his wife is Lot did not look back, you know, and they told both Lot and his wife not to look back, but they actually took and they they pulled Lot physically out of the city and his family, you know. The son-in-laws, by the way, would not heed Lot's warning, so by all appearances, they were not elect. They stayed in the city and were burned up. And Lot's wife was very comfortable in Sodom. She did not want to leave Sodom. She liked the pleasures of sin for a season. And she looked back and became a pillar of salt. Well, the only reason I bring this up 
is that we have the same thing going on here today. You know, we have, God has some lots in Sodom, you know. Uh, it's apparent that Michael Adams and Larry Phillips are lots, <laughs> you know. <laughs> we may not want to, we may not like the fact that we're compared to lots, but, you know, we both uh, have come out of, you know, gross sin and, and everything we might, we, else. We might, even, we might not even be deserving to be compared to lots. <laughs> That's right, because Scripture calls lot righteous lot. You know, it says he was vexed with the filthy conversation of Sodom every day. But the thing of it is, with as with Lot, God pulled both Michael Adams and Larry Phillips out of Sodom. He didn't give us a choice. <laughs> it was like, you're coming out of her. And so this is what's happening today. And so when we look around us, we see that Sodom is in the midst of being destroyed. God still has his... Now, the thing about it is, right now, I equate... Now, I know a lot of people would probably disagree with this, but I equate the whole world as to Sodom now. Because it isn't just the United States. It's Europe. It's Africa. It's South America. I mean, it's it's the earth. The earth is equated to Sodom now. And no, all the elect can't go to the moon. Okay? We can't get away out of here. It's a spiritual thing. We already have left Sodom. And we have come out from among her and we have become separate, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing. And so that's why I wanted to talk a little bit about this to equate, you know, what's happening here. You're right on target. Isaiah's warning here. What's, you know, the, uh, you know, the coming judgment on Judah now, likened to Sodom, and that's exactly what what we have right here. So I'll let you go on and continue reading and make any comments. Well, you know. We can only, you know, basically, because of our references to our citizens of the United States of America, we have to kind of look at our own situation a little bit. I know it's with this new world order that we live under. There's nothing new about it, but it's this new world order. is this Sodom and Gomorrah, this Egypt and Gomorrah thing. It's just a... It, but I look at this in verse 4, it says, a sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corrupt, corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger. They have gone away backward. And then it describes what goes on and how it's, they've, they, they, it, it's, rotting away from uh, uh, illness from the head to the heart to the whole to the soles of one's feet uh, just goes on and on and on uh, and then it um, there's no ointment no man you know there's no ointment that man can do to, to, to fix this problem 
Now, I'm not here to, to prophesy, because we don't really have to prophesy based on Scripture. We can just, God has given us example, example, example of what happens to a group of people, um, to humanity, when they reject them, when they go their own ways. And I look at, so they, it's, it's not a very encouraging outlook for whether it's the United States of America or the rest of the world as far as <laughs> but then again you know when I say that I'm talking about the judgment and the wrath of God you know we care you still got to care and you don't want to see the suffering and the pain but the thing is here is you look at a sinful nation of people laden with iniquity see the evildoers children that are corruptors and I look at the country I live in, I have to look at my own generation. And I have to be brutally honest. And I have to say that I am what was what am. Only by the mercy of God here I talked to a brother in Christ, Larry Phillips, another part of the country. But the truth of the matter is, I was, I was one of these. And still in without the mercy and grace of God. But the fact Absolutely. of the matter is, the fact of the matter is, all around me, all I see these days is uh, evildoers, children of, uh, that are corruptors, a sinful nation, a pe- uh, uh, people laden with iniquity, and we're so blind that we cannot see it. But a nation is a people. We cannot see it. Now, I don't want to be this, you know, hating on anybody in the United States of America or any other country. Because as you pointed out, with this new world order that's been, the foundation has been laid, so it's global. It's globalism. It is this <clears throat> Satanism at its core. And, um, but I see this everywhere I go. And, um, all I can say is, thank God for his word. There's refuge in his word. Because yes. if there was his word, there would be no refuge at all. Period. That's right. That's exactly right. And, you know, Isaiah asked a question in 5. He said, why should you be stricken anymore? And then he Then he says, you will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick and the whole heart faint. You know, from the sole of the foot even on the head, there's no soundness in it. Wounds and bruises and petrifying sores and so on. Well, this is a affirmation of the total depravity of man. That's what we're talking about here. It's the total depravity of man. And, you know, he uh, likes it, likens it to the body. But there's two facts here factors you know when he says in seven your country is desolate your cities are burned and so on you you know strangers devoured and so on we we see all of this you know uh, preoccupation with putting up walls to get illegal aliens out and stuff hey there are uh 
as far as it relates to the Israel of God, they're illegal aliens all around us, and they were born in this country. <laughs> they are foreigners to the city of God. And it says your country's desolate. Your cities are burned with fire, you, you know, and so on. And it says you're over desolate and as overthrown by strangers. Notice here he says, in eight, the daughter of Zion is left as a cottage and a vineyard, as a lodge and a garden of cucumbers, as a besieged city. This is this is the daughter of Zion he's talking about here. This is God's elect. And that's what how all the elect must feel now as we are in the midst of you know, a besieged city, besieged by Satan, besieged by the total depravity of man. And he says, except the Lord of hosts had left us as a small remnant. We are a small remnant. That's what that's what Paul said, that's what Christ said, that's what um his is prophesied throughout the prophets that you know there is election according to the rem in other words, I have seven thousand men that have not bowed the the knee to the image of Baal. And so uh notice how in ten he he says, Hear the word of the Lord, ye rulers of Sodom, give ear unto the law of our God, ye people of Gomorrah. Now we we've we're told in another place that the law of God is a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. <clears throat> But it takes more than the law of God, you know. The only the only way that any of these uh, sojourners amongst us are going to come into a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ is if something happens within their heart and their soul and their mind. And um, so that's we're going to see now he is coming against their rituals, and I'll let you, you know, yes. read verse eleven. 11 this is this, so is this is very powerful. The next four or five verses, I know, yeah. and it's applicable even back then, folks. And we hear so much from people that want to put us back under the law and legalism. Yeah. And hearing back in Isaiah's day, this is what God. This is what the Lord has to say. To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices unto me? Saith the Lord, I am full of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed beasts, and I delight not in the blood of bullocks or of lambs or of he goats. When ye come to appear before me, who hath required this at your hand to tread my courts? Bring no more vain uh, uh, oblations, incense is an abomination unto me. The new moons and the Sabbaths, the calling of the assembly, I cannot away with. It is iniquity even 
a solemn meeting. Your new moons and your appointed feasts, my soul hateth. They are troubled unto me. I am weary to bear them. When ye spread forth your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Yea, when ye make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. Wash you, make you clean, put away the evil of your doings from before my eyes, and cease to do evil. Learn to do well. Seek judgment. Relieve the oppressed. Judge the fatherless. And plead for the widow. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you be willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land. But if ye refuse and rebel, ye shall be devoured with the sword, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. I have to I have to stop you there. <laughs> because uh I'll tell you what, verse eighteen is so powerful. I mean I that that verse is apropos for any time, any place, anywhere, any nation, any culture, any people. It's God speaking, come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. And we're going to see later on uh, his further describing how that happens through uh, the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And what, I mean, we're talking about, you know, what, 3,000, I don't have the exact time frame, but 3,000 some years ago. This was a thousand, two thousand years ago was Christ, and I don't know how long it was between Isaiah and and uh, the New Testament, but probably thirty five hundred years, you know. And here we have the prophet telling about Christ, messianic prophecy here, and uh, you know he says like. Michael was getting ready to read there, if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured with the sword, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it, you know. And he's saying here, you know, I don't take any pleasure in in uh, burnt offerings and sacrifices and all of these appointed feasts and these new moons and Sabbaths and uh, assemblies and the very thing that Christ was coming against when he was here, coming against the scribes and the Pharisees, Isaiah, nothing's changed. Isaiah's coming against all the same rituals and sacramentalism here. Very same thing. <laughs> yeah, but it, you know, it's interesting that with how, what happens to us in our we get all religious and forget about the weightier part of the law. Yeah. We take care of each other and you do uh, relieve the oppressed and to take uh, judge the you know, take care of the fatherless and and uh the widow and all that. 
we get also wrapped up in our works once again that we are somehow if we just are really great at being religious, God's going to recognize that, isn't it? <laughs> you know, it's the same thing. It's just what you see the 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 epitome of the hypocrisy, the pinnacle of the biblical historical antichrist, the Pope, and, and his religiosity pretending to be something that he actually is. And um, that's exactly right. Yeah, that is exactly right. I mean. You know, to sit in the temple of God and proclaim that he is God, you know, and to take on the name of Victor of Christ and go all over the world and come to the United States and speak to the Congress and go in front of the United Nations and and people are calling him your holiness, blessed Holy Father. And uh, uh, it's still, it's still, um, when I think about that visit to the United States and watched on some of those news coverages of his visit here. It, it's numbing. It's mind-numbing to think that people, sheeple people, are so absolutely just enamored with this guy, swoon over the guy, you know. Uh, I mean, just <laughs> slobber on his slipper, you know. Just It's, it's just... Uh, but you know what? If he cast many more curses of God on you. Um, <laughs> by the way, the other yeah. thing, the book, the book Isaiah, I guess, was written sometime around 800. Yeah, so that shows you. I mean, here we are. Here we are. So, you know, I mean, it's. Oh, wow. What a prophet, you know. Yeah. Uh, okay, yeah. we'll see. Um, 19. No, nineteen twenty is it? I think okay. okay. Be, be willing and obedient; ye shall eat the good of the land. But if ye refuse and rebel, ye shall be devoured with the sword. For the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. How is it? How is the faithful city become an harlot? <laughs> it was full of judgment and righteousness lodged in it, but now murderers. Thy silver has become dross, thy wine mixed with water, thy princes are rebellious, and, companion, and companions of thieves, everyone loveth gifts, and follows after rewards. They judge not the fatherless, neither does the cause of the widow come unto them. Therefore saith the Lord, the Lord of hosts, the mighty one of Israel, ah, I will ease me of my adversaries and avenge me of my enemies. I will turn my hand upon thee and purely purge away thy dross and take away all thine ten. And I will restore thy judges as at the first and thy counselors at the beginning afterward thou shalt be called the city of righteousness, this the faithful city. Zion shall be redeemed with judgment, her co- converts with righteousness, the destruction of the transgressors and of the sinners shall be together, and they that forsake the Lord shall be consumed. Can we for stop sh- for a second? Sure. Okay. Absolutely. This is really... <clears throat> 
amazing. I mean, the 25th, I'm sorry, 26th verse. Um, I will restore thy judges as at the first, and thy counselors at the beginning. Afterwards, thou shalt be called the city of righteousness, the faithful city. Notice here that God is doing doing it. <laughs> Men aren't doing it. God is doing it. Now, what? How is it that God can take a in verse twenty one? How is it that God can take a faithful city that became a harlot and that is now murders full of murders? Okay, how can God take that city? <laughs> and turn it into a faithful city and the city of righteousness. Well, there's there's only one thing he can do that. He can he, there's only one way he can do it. Through redemption. That's the only way. Through redemption. And there's so many people out there that are talking about everything other than redemption. They're talking like Mike was saying earlier, they're talking about law, talking about bringing people back under the law service, reinstituting animal sacrifices, rebuilding the temple in Jerusalem, keeping Sabbaths, keeping you know uh, certain new moon, lunar Sabbaths, all of this stuff. The same thing that's going on back here in, in 800, you know. <laughs> Nothing's changed. People are still proclaiming the same stuff. But look, I'll let Mike go on. I think he's ready for 27, I think. No, actually, I want to talk more about redemption. Yeah. Let's talk about it. Let's yeah. talk about what does that mean? What do you mean by redemption? Well, redemption is a work of God to be reclaimed, to be restored back to where it was before at the beginning. You know, That's what justification is. We talked about that term just as if I'd never sinned, okay? And so people talk about, you know, that you can't find grace in the Old Testament. You can't find redemption in the Old Testament. You can't find uh, salvation in the Old Testament or faith in the Old Testament. Yes, you can, you know. In fact, that's what he says in verse 27. This city, the Zion, shall be redeemed with judgments and her converts with righteousness. Righteousness, you know. And what's the distinction between the transgressors and those who are redeemed? Well, he says that the transgressors are those that forsake the Lord. They have no interest in the Lord. They have no desire for the Lord. And what's going to happen to those people? They're going to be consumed. But here's the proclamation of the Messianic prophet Isaiah when he says that uh, this city that was full of murderers and wicked and so on, he's going to restore uh, as at the first, as at the beginning, and it will be called the city of righteousness, the faithful city. Look, Jesus Christ has <laughs> always been and always will be. He hadn't come as a baby yet. 
But Jesus Christ was just as much a part of the Godhead when Isaiah was prophesying as he ever will be. <laughs> and uh, it was Jesus Christ's work in that city that brought redemption to that city. And the city of righteousness, there's no way that that city could have been restored and righteousness once again prevailing without redemption. And uh, so that's a divine work. Redemption is a divine work of our Lord Jesus Christ. People say, well, how can you say that? Jesus hadn't even, you know, he hadn't even uh, died on the cross yet. Well, Scripture tells us he was slain from the foundation of the world. And so God has always had his elect remnant who he has redeemed. Notice in 28 it says, it makes a distinction between that those who are going to be consumed are the ones that forsake the Lord and those who do not. And the only reason that those, you know, uh, God initiates redemption. That's another thing that this this chapter reveals. God is the initiator of redemption. Man doesn't re- man does not initiate his own redemption because we see here that his total depravity is very apparent. He talks about how that uh, you know every part of the the uh, peoples were just full of depravity depravity from the sole of the foot even to the head there's no soundness wounds and bruises and petrifying sores you know and uh, he so without divine intervention they would have never been restored back to a city of righteousness or of faith yeah it's interesting uh, I'm looking at this too with the, the symbology and the and the uh similar past between in Jerusalem and it reminds me of uh, 70 AD and what happened to Jerusalem and then well yeah. the, Vatican, the Vatican today and Rome and what's been going on for a couple thousand years now and um, <clears throat> so when I, I brought up you know, a US I brought up the US of A not because I feel that we're anything special I do not I don't think there's anything special about us. We're part of the Roman Empire, um, but we live here then. So, and we're just uh, systematic. We're part. We're sim- symptomatic of the this uh, being part of uh, Sodom and Gomorrah and Mystery Babylon, and that uh, uh, it, it is what it is. I mean, there's nothing else we can do about it. So. The more and more you realize this, the more it's not about a religious thing. It's not about uh, anything a man can do except humble oneself before the Lord and recognize that he is Lord, he is God, he is sovereign. Yes. And it is quite sound, quite rational, quite reasonable to beg for mercy. <laughs> and a whole bunch of faith, and, and give us the ability to put our faith and strength, put our put our our our, our hope in Him, 
not in the ways of men, not in religion, not in our own abilities or knowledge, but in him. And let's get, right, get rightly aligned with our God. He is the creator, we are the creation, and we have made a big mess again. A big mess again. And we have a tendency, no, no, let me rephrase that, we always, because of a fallen state, make a mess of things when we're not rightly related with God. So, uh, with that, we'll go to 20, unless you got something to answer that. Oh, go ahead. Okay. 28, uh, the destruction of the transgressor and the, uh, of the sinner shall be together. And they that forsake the Lord shall be consumed. Interesting. So the destruction of the transgressors and the sinners shall be together. Interesting. And they shall be assumed, and they shall be ashamed of the oaks which ye have desired, and ye shall be confounded for the gardens that ye have chosen. For ye shall be as an oak whose leaf fadeth, and as a garden that has no water. And the strong shall be as tow, and the maker of it as spark, and they shall both burn together. None shall quench them. Chapter 2 of Isaiah. The word of Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. And it's come to pass in the last days. The mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills, and all nations shall flow unto it. And many people shall go and say, Come ye, and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of God, of, ja of the God of Jacob. And we will teach, excuse me, and he will teach us of his ways, and he will walk in his, and we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge among the nations, and shall rebuke many people. They shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into uh, pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. O house of Jacob, come ye, and let us walk in the light of the Lord. Might be a good place to stop. <laughs> yes. You know, there's uh, an amazing thing that is runs all the way through the Bible, and that is spiritual Jerusalem and physical Jerusalem. And oftentimes the prophets will, will make the uh, allegory uh, very clear. Because on one side they'll talk about that. In fact, here he talks about the word of Isaiah saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem, and it says the mountain of the Lord's house. Notice how Lord's is capitalized. All that whole word Lord's is capitalized. House True. shall be established in the top of the mountains. She'll be exalted above the hills. Now, 
we know that God has his elect from every seed, every people, every tongue, and every nation. And that's what it's talking about here. The Lord's house. In other words, all of the nations of his elect. And uh, there is a distinction between those people and their, their beliefs and their faith and their philosophy and all the rest of the world. <laughs> Many people shall go and say, Come, ye, and let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. And he will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his paths. Okay? That's God's elect. Now, you find that there's a physical Jerusalem. And guess what? Right today, this very day, you can go to Jerusalem, and you're going to find in that physical Jerusalem that people there are not walking in the ways of Christ. They're not teaching the ways of Christ. And they are not teaching the word of the Lord from that Jerusalem. So it has to be specifically talking about spiritual Jerusalem here. It has to be. And uh, notice when he talks about he shall judge among the nations, shall rebuke many people, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and so on. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. O house of Jacob, this again is speaking to the house of God's elect. Come ye and let us walk in the light of the Lord. The light of the Lord, of course, is... Christ, we are we are walking in Christ. Is that where we stopped? I think it is, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah. In the case of six of Isaiah two, therefore thou hast forsaken thy people of the house of Jacob, because they be replenished from the east and and are soothsayers like the uh, Philistines. And they please themselves and the children of strangers. Well, before we go any further, what is that verse talking about? Well, it sounds it that, sounds a little disturbing to me, and it sounds an awful lot like the the, pre, the bishops of Mithraism, otherwise known as the Roman Catholic hierarchy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think also it's it has to do with anyone who has forsaken uh, Christ and his teachings and his word because they're pleasing themselves and the children of strangers. It reminds me of the ecumenical movement as well. You know, let's just, let's just talk about smooth things. You know, all paths lead to God syndrome. You know, let's, um, Let's forsake the people of, let's forsake, you know, the doctrine of election, of the house of Jacob. Let's let's forsake the remnant and let's just go into Philistine, you know, let's, let's become like the Philistines. Please themselves, you know, eat, drink, and be merry. <laughs> you know, all we need is love, Beatles theology again. That That's what I see in here, you know. Because you can go on and see in the next verse, it's talking about that. Land is full of silver and gold. Neither is there any end of the treasures. Their land is full of horses. Neither is there in any end of their chariots. <clears throat> you know, we were on the road today, yesterday 
I was in 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 the truck with my maintenance man. I was driving the truck, and I uh, always saw all these Mustangs. And and my, and Rob says, "What's the deal with all these Mustangs? Is this Mustang Alley or what?" But you know, I just use that as a that's the horses of today. You know, full of chariots and horses. And their land is also full of idols. They worship the work of their own hands. This is exactly what Michael was alluding to regarding the papacy and Roman Catholicism. You know, let's go on a crusade. Let's go to this statue of Mary. Let's let's go to the Stations of the Cross. Be sure you say your 20 Hail Marys for the day, you know, and on and on and on. But it's, it's worse than the, that. It's worse mm-hmm. than that, too, though, too, as you look at eight uh, and their lands full of idols. They worship the work of their own hands, that which their own fingers have made. When we look at the, our, and the, our, the world today, and, um, it's still, you know, whether, the, whether you are bowing down to a statue of Mary or a cross or um, some other idol, just as you mentioned, their idol of the Mustang, the right, car, right, right. Uh, the idol of uh, politics, the idol idolatry. You know, it's it's. There's a funny, strange thing that happens too. I see myself. You know, I, I being a guy who was a an artist and a musician, and is all about. You talking about a guy like me and what I can do, all my glorious through my whatever I can do with my hands. Um, as far as music and art and all that kind of stuff, or the many other. Things I did, you know, creating, building my own thing, quote unquote, um, and that my idol really was myself, and so I'm, I'm guilty as everyone else, product of an idolatrous uh, society. Uh, but I see this, I see that the absolute necessity to. You have to put God first. You just have to. Or get whatever whatever happens in life, you have to put Him first because it it is all vanity. It's just a big waste of time. And in the, the day, it all will go to dust. It all go to. You know what I mean? I look at all the right. the thousands of hours writing songs, making art. Uh, all this stuff uh, just to, for myself to make myself feel like I was something important. I don't want to waste all that time. Reminds me I, of reminds me of that passage in Acts where they went into that city and and said they spent all their time, you know, looking at all these different religions. I'm paraphrasing. Looking and they had all these books and and. Uh, they took and burn all their books. <laughs> yeah, remember, they burn all their books, and uh, Paul said, "You know, you're an idolatrous people. You know, worshiping an unknown God whom you know not." But you're right, and the only people that are going to do what you say needs to be done, Michael, uh, is those who are called by God and who are chosen in him and who are ordained to be recipients of his marvelous love and grace. You know, the prodigal sons who returned to Abba Father, 
that's the only ones that are going to going to enter into the rock. That's what it says. You know, Numbers yeah. nine it says, "Men, mean men, and the mean men boweth down, and the great man humbleth himself. Therefore, forgive them not." You know, they're bowing down to the works of their hands, and then that goes right. into the Lord, yeah. right? That's the answer. Enter Absolutely. into the rock, hide thee in it. So enter into the rock. And we read about in the New Testament who the rock is. Yes. It's not Peter. <laughs> no. no. And hide thee in the dust for fear of the Lord, for the glory of his majesty. The lofty looks of men shall be humbled, and the haughtiness of men shall be bow down, and the Lord alone shall be exalted in that day. For the day of the Lord of hosts shall be upon every one that is proud and lofty, and upon every one that has left up, he shall be brought low, upon all the cedars of Lebanon, that are high and lifted up, and upon all the oaks of Bashan, and upon all, and upon all the high mountains, and upon all the hills, that are lifted up, and upon every high tower, and upon every fence wall, upon all the ships of Tarshish, and upon all pleasant pictures. And the loftiness of man shall be bowed down, and the haughtiness of men shall be made low, and the Lord alone shall be exalted in that day. And the idols he shall utterly abolish. And they shall go into the holes of the rocks and into the caves of the earth for fear of the Lord. Interesting. For the glory of his majesty when he arises to shake terribly the earth. In that day, a man shall cast his idols of silver and his idols of gold, which they made each one for himself to worship to the moles into the bats. Go into the cliffs of the rocks and into the tops of the, the ragged rocks for fear of the Lord, for the glory of his majesty, when he arises to shake terribly the earth. Cease ye from man whose breath is in his nostrils, for wherein he is to be accounted of. Question mark. So, interesting there, we... <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it's, uh, are we talking about the day of, of judgment, the day of wrath, the, the what are something coming here at, at the end? Yes, are we talking? I mean, yeah. Is it uh, an analogy? It, of, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. He's talking of the final judgment there. When in Revelation it says that they will cry for the rocks and the mountains to fall upon them to hide them from the face of the one who, <clears throat> you know. And and he, I love I just every time I I used to I used to read Isaiah a lot more than I have lately, and every time I got to that twentieth verse, I just crack up. I'd start laughing. It tickled me because it says, "In that day, a man shall cast his idols of silver and his idols of gold, which they made each one for himself to worship, to the moles and to the bats." I mean, all of this stuff that people put such a preeminence on now 
is going to mean absolutely nothing. Nothing. It's amazing how people's priorities are going to change. It's I've seen it. I've seen it, and I know you've seen it, Michael. I've, oh, man. You know, I've, I've known some people that have been very, very well-to-do, and they've had anything they wanted. And then when they are faced with the reality of the fact that they may have six months to live, all of that stuff that they work their whole life doesn't mean squat anymore. They'll give it all away for another six months. You know, but the problem is they can't buy six more months. But, you know, back to the reality here, the exhortation is in verse 10. You know, like Michael said, enter into the rock, hide thee in the dust for the fear of the Lord and for the glory of his majesty. There's only one way we're going to ever enter into the rock. You know, there's only one way we're ever going to glory in his majesty. You know, there's only one way. I was thinking when Michael was reading that, I was thinking of Nebuchadnezzar. And he said, my hands have got me all of this. And then he was crawling around like an animal with his nails out like claws of a beast. You know? But you know what? I believe that Nebuchadnezzar uh, came to a saving knowledge of Christ. Because if you read his testimony at the last, he said, I will praise and exalt the God of the Most High. There's only one God, and so on. And he's exalting God. But this this is a tremendous... Uh, this is a tremendous... Uh, example not only of what's happening in the United States of America but throughout the world today in our idolatry our wickedness our immorality our utter depravity our our just worshiping ourselves in Matthew 24 it says that um, the time will come when they will uh, you know, basically just worship themselves. In other words, they will be lovers of themselves rather than lovers of God. And that's what we see. I mean, people are, they they don't even have the time to think on eternal things. They don't have the time to do like these people in verse 3 when it says, come, let us go up in the mountain of the Lord to the house of God and he will teach us of his ways, and we'll walk. No, people don't have the time for that. Like Michael said, most people, you know, are thinking about how they can, you know, how they can earn their 401k plans and get their pensions and go on their cruises and on their safaris and go to some foreign country to do a. I had a a neighbor here who. Uh, it was amazing how that happened. He he came to me and he says, I've always wanted to go on an African hunt and hunt big game. And he says, it's rather expensive, Larry. I said, well, I imagine it is. But he says, I'm going to go. He says, I made a decision. This was about, oh, nine years ago. He says, I made a decision. Rather than getting me a new pickup this year, I'm going to take the funds that I would usually spend in buying a new pickup, and I'm going on an African safari. So he spent like $40,000. He went on this safari, 
and he got some kind of big game over there. I don't know whether it was an elephant or a man, you know, something. And so when he got back, uh, I saw him, and he said, "Hey, uh, I want to take you to breakfast and show you my my safari pictures." I said, "Okay." So he took me out to breakfast, and he showed me all the all the all of his expedition and everything. Do you know within three months after he got back, he was diagnosed with cancer, and about eight months later, he was dead. And do you know that his name was Dennis? And you know, Dennis, I mean, he was in absolute terror when he found out that he was going to die. I mean, all of a sudden, all of this safari and all this thing it was you could tell it was weighing on him and i hope i'm praying and i pray and i hope that he came to saving knowledge you know of jesus christ but by all appearances it didn't appear that that was the case but but this this is what happens to people uh in real life and this is what's going to happen too he says that they're going to Verse 20, again, I just, it just amazes me. In that day, man shall cast his idols of silver, his idols of gold, they which, which they made each one for himself to worship to the moles and to the bats. Yeah. It's interesting, too, is uh, <clears throat> you look at, uh, like, Matthew 24, and uh, it's, it's, I get the impression that actually... Isaiah 2 is probably more relevant to our day in some ways. Right. Or just, right. Uh, just as relevant to our day yes. or to the, the second coming of Christ than, than actual <laughs> Matthew 24. I'm not saying it's not the case. It, it is the case. I'm just saying it's it's another strong testimony of what the, uh, the outcome is going to be. Um, and... Uh, yeah, I, I find it. Uh, I have to tell you, I was I was talking to our friend Walt today, and I told him I said I'm in, at a state. Maybe it's because of my health, but I think a lot of it's been because of me focusing on uh, uh, predestination and uh, election and uh, sovereignty of God, and and uh, I am coming to realize how little I know. I really am. So, and I feel. Unfounded by it all. I don't know if you got through that. If you did that experience yourself in your walk with the Lord, where you just feel speechless, and every time you open up the book, yours is like, oh my goodness, this has to be. Yeah, this is, this is it, the it, truth. It, this, it, is, this is the it, truth. It's it just seems beyond. Like it's a, it seems like it's pro- progressively gets uh, worse and worse. The more you study, the more you study, the more you're humbled. You know. In fact, uh, I have actually met some people that have been, you know, have spent their whole lifetime studying the Bible, and when they get down to the toward the end of their life, they're kind of like Job. They don't even, you know, they're 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 so humbled that they're they're just, just like they put their hand upon their mouth. I've seen that happen with my own father. It's like he's like, you know, it's so awesome. It's so, you know, Larry, there's just so many things that are just beyond, you know, who can know the mind of the Lord? Who can be his counselor? Who's taught him? You know, uh, we just have scratched the surface. 
God has revealed himself to his people, but we look we are we are looking through a glass darkly. And every time I read that scripture I think of a glass that you know is like a smoke glass, looking through it and trying to see something. We can't see the realities of the majesty and the and the glory of God and the wonder of his work and uh, you know, you're right, Michael. And the longer a person is in the Bible, the the less you realize you know. And uh, what, so a predicament, some, what a predicament we are in without uh, uh, our Lord Savior Jesus Christ. We're right. just in an absolute predicament. <laughs> That's another <laughs> statement. So uh, let's just carry on with the reading here. Uh, let's do it. Chapter 3 now. For behold, the Lord the Lord of hosts, that take away from Jerusalem and from Judah the stay and the staff and the whole stay of bread and the whole stay of water. The mighty men, the men of war, the judge, the prophet, and the prudent, and the ancient. Captain of fifty and the, the honorable man, the counselor and the cunning artificer and the eloquent orator, and I will give children to be their princes, and babes shall rule over them. And the people shall be oppressed, everyone by another, and everyone by his neighbor. And the child shall behave himself proudly against the ancient, and the base against the honorable. When a man shall take hold of his brother's, take hold of his brother of the house of his father saying thou hast clothing be thou our ruler and let this ruin be under thy hand and that day shall he swear saying I will not be an healer for in our house is neither bread nor clothing make me not a ruler of the people for Jerusalem is ruined and Judah is fallen because their tongue and their doings are against the Lord to provoke the eyes of his glory, to show their continence of witness against them and they declare their sin as Sodom. They hide it not woe unto their soul for they have rewarded evil unto themselves Say ye to the righteous that it shall be well with him, for they shall eat the fruits of their doings. Woe unto the wicked, it shall be ill with him, for a reward of his hands shall be given him. As for my people, children are their oppressors, and the women rule over them. O my people, they which lead thee cause thee to err and destroy the way of thy path. The Lord standeth up to plead, and standeth the judge to the people. The Lord will enter into the judgment with the ancients of his people and the princes thereof, for they have eaten up of the vineyard and the spoil of the poor is in their houses." And uh, 
What mean ye that they be? What mean ye that ye beat my people to pieces and grind the faces of the poor, saith the Lord God of hosts? Moreover, the Lord saith, because the daughters of Zion, this is just heart wrenching. I just want to get this covered today, because this is our time. It really is. I. It is bothersome. It really is. You see, for the women, I mean, I, I don't want to sound like a male chauvinist, but at this point, um, the fact of the matter is, we look at, whereas the people, the children are their oppressors, this isn't the case, the women rule over them. My people, they which are, which lead thee, cause thee to err and destroy the way of thy path. And I look at, you got, and people are going to say what they want to say about it, but when you have when you have a, a a woman senator in New Hampshire, the only one who has guts to even say that the Pope is the Antichrist, when you have Hillary running for president, when you have just the, what we're saying here that the that the poor uh, are, it just goes on and on. I mean, you look at the poor and the people living in house tents and in tent cities throughout the country. When you look at uh, the fact that we have a president of the United States promoting uh, sodomy, when you have uh, you know, and it's interesting that I'm talking this way because, you know, you're talking to a guy you know in my past. I'm a liberal, of course, at one time, who's come to realize that how foolish the notion of liberal is and how important it is to really put our trust in what God says and, and in his word and that it leads to, it leads to self-destruction of self and of uh, of, uh, your children, and then you end up having the children. The children are their oppressors. We look at what's happening in our society, and, um, oh, there's the consequences of rejecting God. It's dreadful what I'm seeing. Uh, I I can't bear looking at it, to be honest with you. I know it sounds a little... Well, it is. It's just... You know, and, and notice how that um, it's it's amazing because it's such a replication of what we do. You know, we we realize this was written back in 800. You know, and <laughs> BC, it, and it's, <laughs> yeah, BC before Christ, 800 years before Christ, and we we think, wow, you know, how how could this this is such a. It sounds like we're we're reading the newspaper. I mean, really, it is. We are reading the newspaper. That's what's so tragic about it. Is that you can see it. Right. We've rejected God. We've rejected God. We live in a world that's rejected God. 
Well, I, yeah, it. I mean, verse 16 is just, I mean, so descriptive. I mean, I, I can see, I see certain people when I read that. Moreover, the Lord saith, because the daughters of Zion are haughty and walk with stretched forth necks and wanton eyes, walking and mincing as they go and making a tinkling with their feet. Therefore, the Lord will smite with a scab the crown of the head of the daughters of Zion, and the Lord will discover their secret parts. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And then you think about that, you look at, if you go to yahoo.com or all these many uh, outlets out there, and it's just one poor soul woman, one poor woman, all dressed up, covered yeah. in makeup, Covered in, you know, it's all about this uh, very haughty. I, yeah. I'm not condemning, you know, they're victims of this whole wicked system. So. Oh, I know. I know. Yeah, but they're walking and mimicking and pretending to be something than, than they are. We see the men wandering around in their Freemasonic uh, three, three piece suits, acting that they're more than they are. <laughs> yeah. Um, it goes on. I mean, it, it goes on. It gets, so it's this pride, you know, the, it's the haughtiness, the proud, the pride, the pride of it all, and um, and that it makes it when I, when I, I think it escapes. This, go ahead. Take away the bravery. This is funny. In that day, the Lord will take away the bravery of their tinkling ornaments about their feet and their calls and their round tires like the moon. The chains and the bracelets and the mufflers and the bonnets and the ornaments of the legs and the headbands and the tablets and the earrings and the rings and nose jewels, the changeable suits of apparels, the mantis, the mantles and the wimp, wimples and the crisping pins. <laughs> and it shall come to pass that instead of sweet smell, there shall be a stink. Instead of a girdle, a rent. Instead of a well-set, their baldness. Instead of a stomach or a girding of a sackcloth and burning. Instead of beauty. Oh man, it doesn't. It doesn't sound very good for America. It doesn't sound very good for the world. You know, men shall fall by the sword and by mighty in the war, and her gates shall lament and mourn, and she being desolate shall sit upon the ground. What a picture Isaiah paints of the future judgment of the world here. And by the way, this this all occurred uh, because Judah did experience devastation. And, uh, but you know what? We must go back to the central nature of what we said, flee to the rock. That's the only, like Michael said, that's our only hope. The rock of our, you know, I remember, now I, I don't agree with uh, a lot of Dottie Rambo. She was a, she was one of those feminazi religious proselytes. <laughs> but I did like that one song that she wrote. I go to the rock of my salvation. You know, and you know what? The only way we can go to the rock of our salvation is if God calls us to the rock of, the, of our salvation, you know? Yeah. And, uh, 
And I think that people have a distorted view of the rock. I think Dottie Rambo had a distorted view of the rock. She was up in front of people and trying to usurp authority over men and everything else. But, you know, I think that we need to examine ourselves in the light of this scripture and say, are we just about ourselves? Are we truly trusting in Jesus Christ? Have we been have we been brought low? Have we recognized that we are uh, we are the uh, we are the the child who has gone astray? We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. Or are we just fooling ourselves? Are we just saying what people want to hear? Are we truly being honest with ourselves and realizing that, you know what, if 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 it isn't, if if Christ has not paid the price, the ultimate sacrifice for my sins, if he hasn't availed, if his blood has not availed for me, then there is no hope for me. And that that's where we have to be. And and that, I hope that as we go through uh, this book of Isaiah, we can see Christ all the way through this, this whole book of Isaiah over and over and over again. You know, and it, and it gets better and better and better and better all the way through Isaiah. I mean, it gets better. Believe me. I mean, wait till we get into the, you know, the 40th and 41st and 42nd, 43rd, 44th, 45th chapters, all the way through 66 chapters of Isaiah. It's just, <clears throat> wow. But anyway. It is just, it's a very heavy read, and I never realized. I think, you know, there is an advantage to allowing the Lord to open up your eyes enough to see the world for what it really is so that the scriptures will come more alive. Yes. But, um, um, I just see when I read that uh, when I read chapter 3 I'm just like goodness gracious isn't that exactly what we are seeing in our lives that's right it, 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 you know uh, men's roles have been flipped and women's roles have been flipped um, women they've, they've turned them into um well, I hate to say this, but when you look at the description, you're uh, at the very best uh, sex objects. Um, well, yeah, you, know, you got the you got the men, you got the the children. Everything's just it's a mess. You know what? There's nothing can happen. And the only thing that will happen, which provide rejecting. Out of the Bible is what we see. You know, I'd like to, if, with your with your permission, I'd like to take about oh, I don't know, five minutes, ten minutes, uh, and <clears throat> there's much more of an exhaustive study on sermon audio that I've just completed on this from the 15th chapter of Luke. I think this is apropos to kind of bring oh, yeah. to a clo- bring to a close our study. 
15th chapter but, of Luke, right? Yeah. Okay. First verse says, They drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. Look at the difference. Here you have the publican sinners. They wanted to hear what Christ had to say. And the Pharisees and scribes were murmuring against him. And, and, and actually accusing him for even eating with sinners. That's what a lot of people do with people who are self-righteous, you know, all these people. What, what do we have to do with them in any way? Anyway, Christ is speaking to them. Verse 4, What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it? And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying, Then rejoice with me. For I have found my sheep, which was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons who need no repentance. And then he likens it to either one, what woman having ten pieces of silver, if she loses one piece, doth not light a candle, sweep the house, and seek diligence till she find it. And when she has found it, she calls her friends and her neighbors to the saying, Rejoice with me, for I found the peace which I lost. Likewise, I say unto you that there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. Wow. And then, of course, he gives the parable of the prodigal son. And he says, Father, give me the portion of goods that fall to me. And he divided into them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, took his journey to far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. Sounds very familiar, familiar to me. Oh, yeah. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed the swine. <laughs> and he would have fain have filled his belly with the husk of that swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. I can say firsthand that I have eaten of the husk of the swine many times. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and I am no word, no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him and said, Son of the Said unto him, Father, son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and no more, no more worthy to be called thy son. And the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe, put it on him, and put a ring on his hand, and shoes on his feet. Bring hither the fatted calf, and kill it, and let us eat, and be merry. For this is my son was dead, and he is alive again. He was lost, and is found. Wow, you know, there's that's my testimony, and I that's what happened to me, and I can tell you that, um, you know that that when when we when when we 
found ourselves in that state of deadness, and Christ came to us. And he bathed us in his mercy and his love and his grace, and he put the robe on us, and he killed the fatted calf for us. Uh, there was celebration in heaven, according to this passage of Scripture. Even the angels. <laughs> I mean, it says in verse 7, I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety-nine just persons which need no repentance. And in verse 10, it says, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. So I just wanted to go through that real quickly and leave anyone who might be listening to realize we're not going to leave on a sour note today. (laughs) The good news, the good news is that Christ is the great shepherd of the sheep, and he's going out seeking that one lost sheep that is lost. And... uh, that that could be you. It was me. It was Michael, you know. And if it's you, I'll tell you what, there's no more joy than saying, I will arise and go to my Father. And the only way you'll rise and go to your Father is if he's, if he's calling you to himself. So I didn't want to leave on a, on a negative note. I want to leave on a very positive note that Christ is merciful. He's loving. He's kind. He's gracious. And it says that if we, it says, all that come to him, I will in no wise cast out. Right. So if, so if, if you've come to Christ, you know, if you've come to Christ, I can guarantee you beyond a shadow of a doubt, based on his word, that he's not going to cast you out. So I'll just kind of. Amen. Amen. Well, that was a great lesson. That was a great study. That was very powerful. And um, thank you, my friend. Um, yes, yeah, so I'll end the recording now. Anybody who wants to join in the conversation for a couple minutes, you're more than welcome to call in. Um, and with that, uh, take care, folks. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.